The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Badges. I don't have to show you any stinking badges. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Well, there is some news that isn't Russia-related for a change, making it to CNN. Uh, Yeah, it looks like everybody is reporting it, ladies and gentlemen. United States intelligence agencies are reporting that North Korea has managed to miniaturize a nuclear warhead. We'll get into that in the course of the flip-around coming up here on the Chris Salcedo Show. Telephone number, 888-933-93-888-900-3393. Now look, I know, I know what you guys are saying. That some of you are probably going, yeah, right, this is just really too convenient. Um, I don't know. They've been working toward this for a while, ladies and gentlemen. I want you guys to catch the show live, theblaze.com slash radio, Blaze Radio smartphone app, iHeartRadio app, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher for on-demand listening. Check out the Chris Salcedo Show on social media, if you will. Go to the Facebook page, the Chris Salcedo Show, uh, over on Twitter at Chris Salcedo TX at C H R I S S A L C E D O T X, as in Texas. Uh, if you want to catch up on the Chris Salcedo Show on a daily offering basis, you know some of the highlights, if you will. Go to theblaze.com and you click on the channels section, and then you'll well, actually you're going to see a whole. You're going to see Dana. You're going to see Doc. You're going to see. Uh, everybody here at the Blaze, Glenn, and uh, make sure that you guys like their channels as well as well as ours, uh, because you, what you will find when you sample throughout the programming here the vast array of programming, in particular when it comes to to Jeffy and Pat and Stu. <laughs> there's a wide, wide variety of stuff to choose from. Whatever floats your boat, if you will. All right, uh, th- this is. Somewhat breaking news. Word is now getting out throughout the intelligence community that uh, North Korea has successfully miniaturized a nuclear weapon. Let's uh, well, let's see what they're talking about over at uh, over at CNN. It's probably Trump's fault, but let's give it a try. If the U.S. stopped its you know military exercises with South Korea, the U.S. is saying no way. We need to be ready just in case. Um, wh- what's the strategy? Is it is it getting North Korea to the table? Um, to have some sort of conversation to, to stop this before it gets any worse? What, what, what do you foresee? Uh, correct. I, I think uh, conversation is, is vital uh, to solving this issue. Uh, military um, conflict on the peninsula would be catastrophic. So I think the only option we really have is to start talking with the North Koreans to see what they want, uh, to see what the administration wants. Really, that's, that's what we have to do? That, that has been the M.O. for every administration since the Clinton era. It was that type of strategy that allowed North Korea to become a nuclear power to begin with. Oh, let's, let's see what they want. Let's give in to the blackmail. He's right about one thing, that it will be catastrophic on that peninsula, a war. Uh, the minute that shots are fired, Seoul, South Korea becomes a crater. And we have allies there. We have troops there. Uh, There has got to be more strategy than just giving the the crazy fat kid what he wants. 
That's the reason why they developed a nuclear deterrent. Are we going to allow the world to be blackmailed by a crazy nutball? Now, I guarantee you that was going to be the strategy if Obama had still been president. It would just be to pay, to, to, to pay him off, to give the North Koreans anything they want. There has got, there has got to be... Uh, look, th- this is a game changer. And there are going to be calculations being made right now that if North... And you know what? China's going to have to... If China doesn't want all-out war on that peninsula, they're going to have to step in and step in now. Now is the time. Sanctions, the sanctions that just passed over the weekend, they don't have the time now to take effect. They don't have time to punish North Korea. The only technological limitation I can see that I've heard of, ladies and gentlemen, is that on a nuclear warhead, they have not been able to sufficiently isolate the nuclear nose cone upon reentry. So you fire off a missile up into the up into the ionosphere and then it angles back down, stratosphere, and it angles back down toward the Earth. And upon reentry toward its target, there's a tremendous amount of friction. The nose cone has to be able to withstand that heat or the, or the warhead, whether it be conventional or nuclear, will incinerate or blow up the missile. If they have found... A, now, miniaturizing it is the biggest hurdle forward so it can fit onto a missile delivery system. Now all they got to do is figure out the shielding and we could be months away from a fully nuclear capable, if these reports are true, coming from the intel community. If they're true, we could be months away from a North Korea that is nuclear ready to harm us. To Basically, they're already in range of the West Coast. And according to some military analysts full striking distance of the united states let's get over to uh MSNBS. 30,000 U.S. servicemen and women uh, who are based in, in South Korea. Uh, there is a, a suspicion, a very strong and good suspicion, that, for example, uh, the North Koreans have special forces in South Korea able to act uh, and attack, if you like, from within uh, that country. And one of the reasons why this is uh, such a dangerous game, and it's not a game, uh, it's such a slippery slope, if you like, is that uh, once North, North Korea begins to do that, if it begins to fire artillery, if it begins to activate special forces, the U.S. and its allies won't know whether that, for example, is the beginning of a greater offensive by North Korea and potentially Washington gets pulled into taking more action. Right. So uh, what we're talking about is, is, is the real fear. And this has been the, the problem for D.C. For, for many, many years is that if the U.S. takes action to try to strike North, those North Korean uh, nuclear capability and, and missiles, uh, then North Korea responds and it really escalates. All right, here and uh, and Ken, don't go too far because this. Yeah, uh, and those special forces, the South Korean special forces, are also on the north side. Uh, don't don't think they're not. But still, those special forces can only do so much. Those those shells start firing, folks. That this is we're talking about the loss of life and in, into the millions. And. That's over there. If the North Koreans are able to miniaturize 
which the reports indicate they can, a nuclear warhead, mount it successfully on an ICBM, an intercontinental ballistic missile. Immediately, the west coast of the United States is under an immediate threat. They were already under threat. Now it's, now it's okay, how good is our intercept system? How good is our missile intercept system? From the tests that we've seen recently, ladies and gentlemen, it's 50-50. As crazy as California is, the government out there is, I'd have no wish to see my countrymen incinerated by a nuclear weapon. Fired by the likes of Kim Jong-un. Um, it, it, this is the day we had all dreaded. And now it's here. Administration after administration after administration. From Clinton to Bush to Obama. They tiptoed around. They danced around. Bribed. Gave billions of U.S. dollars to this madman's family. And they have since taken that money and developed a nuclear program, starved their own people, developed a nuclear program, which now conceivably can come and hit us. Don't misunderstand, ladies and gentlemen. North Korea would fire one missile and would be obliterated. The entire, I mean, we have enough... Well, we have enough conventional warheads to do the job, but our nuclear forces are incredibly more formidable. The amount of catastrophic human loss on both sides, and I'm not talking our side, I'm talking North and South Korea, and the and China, the outflow of individuals streaming across their southern border. You think we're concerned? I would love to be a fly on the wall inside of the halls of China right now. No, no, don't misunderstand. I don't, I don't think they're fearing that they could be hit by a nuclear weapon courtesy of North Korea. Th- what China, the Chinese are afraid of is that we will be forced to act, and we will. The development of a nuclear weapon in the offing months away means that America will act. We have no other choice to act. And that's and that scares the living daylights out of China. We'll talk more about this. Get your thoughts. Uh, some of you are already tweeting me. Coming up on the other side of the break, it's Chris Salcedo Show here on the Blaze. Keep up with the Chris Salcedo Show on Facebook and on Twitter at Chris Salcedo TX. Just another way to stay in touch with Chris on the Blaze Radio Network. You know what I just noticed? I was qualifying the entire time I was telling you guys about the breaking news about North Korea. I was qualifying. If this is true. If this is true. You know, there was a day when without reservation, without question, with complete confidence, 
I would side with the United States intelligence community. Without, without, without doubt, I would. But now I question because some in this intelligence community have been leaking profusely to damage the president, the people elected. Regardless of their motivation, there's no respect in that. So when those in the intelligence community start operating in in a political manner, you start calling into question uh, other bits of information that, that they say, oh no, trust us on this one. And I, I am loathed to tell you this, but I did it subconsciously. I did it out of, a, out of a, a knowledge and an understanding of how corrupted the intelligence community, the IC, has become because of the preceding eight-year occupation of the Oval Office by President Obama. Which, by the way, these strides that North Korea has made, they did many of them in the last eight years while America looked elsewhere. Or, to be, to be more precise, nowhere. There was nothing that President Obama would have done, not a finger he would have lifted to confront a problem like this. And don't uh, don't misunderstand me, uh, and because I'm sorting through all of this and processing this just as you guys are. The way I am seeing this is that the United States cannot allow North Korea to have a fully functioning nuclear weapons delivery system, intercontinental nuclear delivery system. Hell, short range, doesn't matter. We have allies and troops short short range as well. So this revelation, and again, I got to qualify it, if true, has just elevated the prospect of war and a very messy and bloody war because you got it doesn't take a genius to figure out what's at stake here we we cannot allow this to happen and th- this for all of you who have kids and if Okay, I've got to go through this step by step. I don't want to say that war is imminent. There is still a chance, although the revelation that North Korea may have miniaturized a nuclear warhead makes that chance, even, even for China to step in, less likely. The only thing that I could conceive that would get North Korea to dismantle its nuclear program, dismantle its intercontinental ballistic missile program, is a pledge of unified troops from China, from Russia, and from the United States. Anything short of that, Kim Jong-un is nuts. And he thinks that, and he's probably right, that Russia has nothing to fear for now, from North Korean nukes. 
that China has nothing to fear right now from North Korean nukes. The only thing that Russia has to fear is a destabilization of world markets. If war breaks out, it's, it's bad for business, in particular the energy business. Um, that's number one. Number two, it's bad for China. The, again, the human tragedy on the peninsula aside, those fleeing that tragedy will stream across that Chinese border seeking refuge. And they will have a humanitarian catastrophe on their hands. China, despite all of their posturing, they can't handle it. Their economy is a communist economy. They can't handle that strain. Hundreds of thousands of people streaming across that border. It would be a disaster for their economy. It would be a disaster for, the, for culturally. So China has every, every uh, incentive not to have war break out. The United States, we have a different calculation. We have, as I said, allies in China and in South Korea and troops in both countries immediately. Not to mention our West Coast, and according to other reports from the intel community, North Korea's missile technology gives them the capability to strike almost anywhere in the United States. So all of those matters on the table, and the principal fighters right here being the United States and North Korea, there's no doubt of who's going to win, ladies and gentlemen. There's no doubt. What's what's in doubt is just how high the death toll will be on that peninsula. And we are talking catastrophic loss of human life. And what I'm afraid of is that that eventuality will be enough to, set, to, to signal to the West, oh, we better give in to the crazy fat kid. Give him whatever he wants. And that's precisely why they developed the nuclear program. If, if he gets whatever he wants and he doesn't have to give anything in return, uh, uh, that's, that, that can't be a policy that I'm going to be for. Because uh, I can already hear Democrats and extremist liberals over here saying, oh, he has nuclear weapons. You idiots, we have nuclear weapons too. It's and not to mention vastly superior conventional weaponry. Um, being held hostage by the likes of Kim Jong-un is not appetizing to me, nor is seeing more of my taxpayer dollars being thrown at that crazy guy. Uh, President has commented, I believe, on this situation. We'll try to turn that around. And get you guys the very latest up. Coming up on the program, Congressman Michael McCall. We'll see if we can ask him about that. Coming up, the Chris Salcedo Show. You're listening to the Chris Salcedo Show. Part of Generation Blaze. On the Blaze Radio Network.
Chris Salcedo. Uh, the president of the United States was speaking moments ago about uh, North Korea. Have a listen. North Korea best not make any more threats to the United States. They will be met with fire and fury like the world has never seen. He has been very threatening uh, beyond a normal statement. And as I said, they will be met with fire, fury, and frankly, power, the likes of which this world has never seen before. Thank you. Thank you, he says. Okay, so look, I've got to say, ladies and gentlemen, that in times like these, all of this division and snarkiness inside of the Trump administration, the division within the government uh, concerns me the most. In particular, in Trump's own inner circle. And one of the big question marks, I don't know if you guys have heard much about this, uh, about Trump's inner circle as of late has been H.R. McMaster. And Fox News was talking about this uh, just, uh, just last night. James, we often deal with speculation in the Beltway, but the Beltway has been buzzing with speculation that General McMaster, National Security Advisor, may be pushed out or may leave the National Security Council. What's the latest there? Brett, of course, this is not the first time this kind of speculation has focused on General McMaster. He did take advantage of the change in White House Chiefs of Staff to send three NSC staffers packing. That prompted a backlash among conservative news outlets and pundits, including Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram, who challenged the general's usefulness, even his loyalty. Uh, Yeah, and, and they're not the only ones, folks. Our next guest, Richard Manning, is the president of Americans for Limited Government, a group that identifies, exposes, and works with Congress and state legislatures to prevent the continued expansion of government. Manning was a George Bush appointee as the Public Affairs Chief of Staff at the U.S. Department of Labor. Mr. Manning, it's great to have you back on the show. Hey, Chris. How are you doing? I'm doing well, sir. And you wrote a piece that, that kind of echoes what, uh, what Sean and what Laura were, were on about. Uh, Trump should fire McMaster and the entire NSC staff. Explain. Yeah, I wrote it because there's the massive leak of the Trump, President Trump's transcripts of his uh, telephone conversations with both the president of Australia and the president of Mexico. To me, the president of Mexico was on the phone with President Trump in the Oval Office with the expectation that that was a private conversation so they could discuss different ideas and figure out how to solve some mutual problems we have. President Trump had the assumption that that was a conversation that was not in the public domain. They, they expressed various points of view and some give and take, and yet then it ends up on the front page of the Washington Post. It was a, na- it was a National Security Council document. It came from the National Security Council, and, and McMaster is the head of the National Security Council, his national security advisor. That leak in and of itself Made, did so much damage to the pre- capacity of the President of the United States to conduct foreign policy that is almost inestimable. No foreign leader can talk to the President of the United States in the Oval Office with any expectation that anything they say is not going to end up on the front page of the Washington Post. And as a result, you will not get the give and take needed, and he will be hamstrung in terms of doing his job in some very, very difficult circumstances, which we see now in North Korea, where the president should be able to be on the phone with the Japanese prime minister, with the South Korean prime minister, president, with the, um, with the president of China, and talk about this to try to solve this problem with an expectation that the, that the entire world isn't going to read the conversation tomorrow. 
Yeah, no, I, I completely concur. Uh, I think uh, your quote about the damage being unestimable is 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 quite accurate because it sends a message that the American government's in chaos and that uh, the deep state is solidly against the individual who was chosen by the people to run the country. Uh, let me let me run some other things by you because you're not the only one writing about the NSC staff. Uh, front page magazine, Daniel Green uh, Greenfield talked about how Colonel Derek Harvey came up with a list of Obama holdovers who he strongly believed were were part of these uh, part of this leaking. Now, McMaster, the, the the head of the NSC, he refused to fire these Obama holdovers. And that sent up a red flag to the to the Bannon folks inside of inside of the Trump White House. What do you think of that? Well, I think it shows where where McMaster's loyalties lie. Um, you know, he is purging. He was purging prior to General. Contrary to the lead-in quote, the people, many of the people who were fired who were Trump supporters in the NSC were fired before the Rice Priebus was ousted. So this has been going on over a period of time. Um, the, and McMaster has, has sided with the Obama holdovers time and again and is very comfortable with the Obama holdovers. And these are people who worked directly with Ben Rhodes and the Obama administration to sell the Iran Treaty to the American people and basically in a, completely falsifying what that was all about. It's a we're basically dealing with the Obama administration continuing to exert massive amounts of influence inside the White House because General McMaster won't deal essentially accepts the Obama holdovers as being trusted advisors that he wants to depend upon. And that undermines Trump's ability to do his job. Uh, Richard Manning, our guest right now, president of Americans for Limited Government. And uh, by the way, folks, we should mention that, that Donald Trump has tweeted his support of H.R. McMaster. Another thing that has come up uh, from Greenfield's reporting is that uh, McMaster himself banned the term Obama holdovers, uh, wanting to very much uh, take those from the Obama administration and make them his own. And not only did he did he get rid of Harvey, he had also assembled uh a holdover list, the guy who put the the holdover list together, he also put a target on Ezra, I, I believe I'm pronouncing this guy's name, Watnick Cohen. He was the guy who exposed President Obama and his officials uh, unmasking Trump personnel. And so that, that that's the guy, and, and then McMaster got rid of that guy. And he also got rid of a guy named Rich Higgins, who Rich is a, is a friend of mine, so I'm a little biased here. But Rich yeah. is a brilliant guy who happened, who wrote a memo detailing how the uh, the deep state was uh, effectively undermining Trump policy. And that memo ended up on the president's desk. The president handed handed that memo to McMaster and said, this guy's brilliant. We need to take care of this. And McMaster's response was to take it and fire the guy who wrote the memo. So, you know, this is the, this is what we're dealing with right now in this administration is you have this. It's almost yin and yang in terms of who's going to be in charge and what's going to happen. Ultimately, it's President Trump's decision. President Trump has to decide who he's, who he wants as an advisor. He has every right to do so. But what we're trying to do is to inform the president through a variety of different means that some of the people around him may may talk a loyal game to him, but their actions betray the fact that they aren't necessarily Trump loyalists 
and and are not providing a diverse point of view that's different from the one that he'd be getting from the State Department or elsewhere where Obama loyalists also still reside. Yeah, you know what, and that's and that's troubling to me. Not so much that H.R. McMaster may not be loyal to Trump, which is important, but also about uh, many are calling into question his loyalty to the country because it is also alleged in this piece by Daniel Greenfield that H.R. McMaster demanded that President Trump refrain from talking about radicalized Islamic fundamentalist terrorism in those terms, talking about it in real stark terms. Again, it's a, it harkens back to resident Obama and his inability to even say radicalized Islamic fundamentalist terrorism, much less combat it. So uh, th- let me ask you this point blank, Mr. Manning. Do you think H.R. McMaster is on board with with those who elected Donald Trump to speak some truth and to act on dangers to the United States of America? I think he's more, much more comfortable with Obama's approach to things than with Trump's approach to things. And he views his mission to try to um, bend Donald Trump to uh, the what he probably perceives as the real politic of the world. And that's a um, and I, you know, putting me in a dangerous position, trying to put myself in somebody else's mind. I I, I would never uh, ascribe um, a lack of loyalty to the country to him. There's a disagreement. The problem is he's purging out everybody who disagrees with him and everybody who actually agrees with the president. And when you get right down to it, the president of the United States has to make a decision. And if he does want, if he wants to surround himself with people who don't agree with his the positions he's taken around the country and continues to take, then he's going to face a very difficult time getting anything he says he wants to get done, done. And you know, so ultimately that's the challenge. And it's a challenge that the president's got to own. He's got to say, you know, this is my administration. It's not McMaster's administration. And I'm going to do what <laughs> I think is right. He is president of Americans for Limited Government. Richard Manning, everybody here on the Chris Salcedo Show. Sir, always appreciate the time and expertise. Come back again. Anytime, Chris. Thank you very much. All right, folks, we'll keep on talking about what's happening. The breaking news in North Korea. Apparently, according to U.S. intelligence officials, they have the ability to miniaturize a nuclear warhead. This is a game changer if, and I have to stress, if true. Back in a minute here on The Blaze. Dial in, let it out. 888-900-3393. This is the Chris Salcedo Show, part of Generation Blaze on the Blaze Radio Network. The Chris Salcedo Show. You heard the lady, 888-900-3393. That is the number. Let's get out to Massachusetts, talk with uh, Scott. Hey, Scott, welcome to the Salcedo Show. What's on your mind? What's up, Chris? Nice to be back on air with you. How are you? I'm doing well, sir. Thank you very much. Uh, What is your reaction to the breaking news today? I'm telling you, I think it's more breaking than even perhaps you realize. As of seven minutes ago, this is on Fox News, and this is a quote. President Trump gave a statement, and I quote, If North Korea threatens the United States again, they will be met with fire and power, the likes of which the world has never seen. Yeah, as a matter of fact, let me play that for the folks in his own words. Listen to this. Hold on. North Korea 
best not make any more threats to the United States. They will be met with fire and fury like the world has never seen. He has been very threatening uh, beyond a normal statement. And as I said, they will be met with fire, fury, and frankly, power, the likes of which this world has never seen before. Somehow, Scott, you know, I can't envision Barack Obama making such a such a uh, <laughs> strong statement as the president just did. Can you? I mean, no, it's it's I mean, you know, what? I'm laughing because what you just said is funny, but the situation isn't funny. But no, Obama was a joke. And thank God we finally have a leader in the White House. I mean, these these are troubling times. Things are getting very serious. And the and the wild card here is China. I don't know where it's going but something has to be done. We can't allow this maniac in North Korea to be uh, possessing nuclear weapons that could wipe out a wipe out a city in this country. It's unacceptable. And See, yes, I got I got to tell you, man, because this this is what's going to happen. The phone call, if it hasn't been made already, it will be made, and the president will lay it out like this, and he'll have his entire security team around him. Uh, president Xi Jinping, uh, the United States will not allow a threat like this to exist to our sovereignty. So you either have a choice. You either get them to dismantle their their program now or the resulting bombardment that, re- that comes from the United States to make sure it's not a threat to us anymore will cause a catastrophic, not only loss of life in North Korea, but will also uh, result in an exodus that will overwhelm your southern border and throw your economy into a deep recession. Tell me which one you want to do, President Xi Jinping. I, I agree. I, I believe China is just as culpable, maybe on a slightly smaller scale than North Korea, but they've allowed this to happen. And as much as Obama's allowed this to happen by doing nothing for eight years. Nothing. Don't forget the Clintons. Don't forget. It was Bill yeah. Clinton. It, it was his deal that allowed them to nuke up to begin with. You're right. You're right. Liberalism is a mental disorder, Chris. You know my favorite statement. But I'm telling you, my personal prediction, and I'm not privy to any information that anybody else is, but just my instincts that, at the risk of sounding cocky, have been kind of correct over the years. I think this is going to go down within two weeks, and it could happen any minute. And when I say go down, I mean bomb bomb out, take out uh, North Korea's power plants nuclear power plants. I'm just afraid of the repercussions. I mean, this could, I don't want to be overdramatic here, but this could be the start of World War III. No, no, you're not being overdramatic and you're not being rhetorical. You know what? World wars have started for far less than this. And then, and then, and then if North Korea gets attacked, then what will the response of the international community be? Again, it is unacceptable in a terrorist regime like North Korea's to have nuclear weapons. It's unacceptable to the world community. The world just voted for crying out loud, uh, unanimously, 15 to nothing, to sanction them over their provocative uh, uh, posturing. And I, I think that right now the world community is already on record. And, and how huge is that UN vote? I mean, how now it looms large over everything, does it not? It does. I've never quite been a fan of the U.N. anyway. It's a spineless debating committee that never actually does anything. I'm not, I don't think I think the U.N. is silly. I don't I don't put too much stock in it. Well, um, no, no, no. But there, but these nations, these 15 nations are on record now. So they can't okay. go back and say, oh, no, 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 we didn't mean it. Oh, well, <laughs> sorry. Uh, it is. Uh, it, it, you guys said this was dangerous. And now America is going to act. 
because yeah. now it is it has reached a new level. So I I don't think any of the hand ringers inside of the United Nations would have much of a leg to stand on. Do you? No, I don't. They're, like you said, they've spoken, and uh, I, I think the world is realizing that the the United States is back. We're not messing around anymore. The, this is serious business, and. Uh, Chris, that's about all I got, man. Thank, Thank you so you, much for taking my call. You betcha. Scott in Massachusetts, everybody. You guys want to weigh in on the potential of war? Sure, feel free to do so. 888 You found the Chris Salcedo Show, the Blaze Radio Network. My buddy Doc Thompson jumps in with me next. Be right back. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Batches. I don't have to show you any stinking batches. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, welcome back, everybody. It's hour two of the Chris Salcedo Show. Joined now by the, uh, the Blaze Morning Show host, Doc Thompson. Hey, how Doc, you doing? how are you, doing, buddy? What's going on? How you doing? Uh, well, what's going on? What is it? I mean, uh, give me your initial reaction. The first, first thing that you thought of when you found out that, that North Korea has, the, has successfully, according to a Washington Post story and our intelligence agencies, and I have to stipulate, if true, if true, that they can miniaturize a nuclear weapon and put it on a warhead. My my heart skipped a beat. Um, it's done that several times because I think we're heading toward an inevitable confrontation with North Korea. Um, a lot of people know that listen to the Morning Blaze. My wife is Korean. She was born in Korea. All of her family is there. Um, and I, I worry about them. Her grandmother, her uncles on both sides, most of her family is there. So I worry about them. Both sides. Yeah, they're they're all there. They're either in Seoul or, or east of Seoul. Um, the one her mother's side of the family has property that's very close to the DMZ. Uh, that's where they grief. live. Uh, that was going to be my next question. How close to the DMZ? Right and, there. And, and you know exactly what's at stake there. If if bullets start flying or missiles start flying, then just with conventional weaponry, we're looking at a loss of life that is going to be catastrophic. Yeah, we've we've run the scenarios, and again, <clears throat> the information is you're right. If if light if true, what we know is 60 nuclear warheads that are now small enough to top the missiles. That's been There have been several linchpins to this whole thing. There's been, right. can a missile reach the U.S.? Um, can we get a nuclear warhead that works, or can they? Number And then three, can they make it small enough to put on top of one of those missiles? It looks like we're there and possibly the tune of 60. So, if Well, there's a fourth, yeah, too. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the reentry. Uh, they need to have the heat shield sufficient enough to protect right. the warhead as the, as the missile completes its arc and mm-hmm. comes back down through the atmosphere because it gets very hot there on that nose right. cone. So, and, and the last long-range missile test that they did, uh, the, uh, the ICBM capable of hitting the United States, the nose cone didn't fare so well. So once they lick that problem, and we're talking a, a matter of months. Months. It's very close. Could be weeks. And, and maybe they already have. But here's the thing. Even if that's not the case, we are still looking at a very dangerous North Korea. Uh, people don't realize the amount of artillery they have just on the other side of the DMZ is in the thousands. Yeah. They, could, they could level Seoul many times over. 
And in Seoul is tens of thousands of Americans. You've got American troops there. You've got Japan that isn't that far away, and they're also an ally. And, if and you're, American troops. And American troops. And even if you're somebody that, you know, you're in, you're in rural America and you're like, well, Doc, that sucks. And I don't want to see anybody lose their life, but at least it's not here. Here's what you need to realize. That in the best case scenario of some sort of conflict where any loss of life is over there and, and minor, you're still looking at two of the world's largest economies in North, South Korea and Japan that will likely cause a significant drop in our economy. It's going to be, it, it could be catastrophic. It will we, likely be worse than 2008. Oh, absolutely. And we were talking about j- those two uh, uh, countries aside, the, the, the mass human wave that will be exiting off the peninsula into China. Horrible. Chi- China is a communist country. Their, their command economy cannot withstand hundreds of thousands of people streaming across that border and it will be an economic catastrophe again for china which is another one of the world's largest economies and so so this there is no good scenario here so and and let me see if you agree because i posited this in the first hour the only way out of this in my view is if russia china and the united states move military forces and surround north korea and say give it up it's over it's done there, there is a. I agree with you. There is a, a one possibility, and it's still not great. It just maybe staves off the inevitable, and that is if we end up in some sort of, for lack of a better explanation or description, a cold war with North Korea, where it's that mutual assured destruction standoff. It's very different than what we went through during the Cold War with the Soviet Union and the mutual assured destruction there. But it could be something like that. But that it really is just delaying the inevitable. Right, and again, we know their pattern. North Koreans blackmail. They, they'll, they'll want money. They'll want support from the international community, and there will be a lot of folks out there who will look to the United States to pay it. But that's, this is exactly how we got into this situation to begin with. Well, and, For, yeah, and, you, and you're right about that, but you got to remember something. Kim Jong-un is, and we've been studying him quite a bit, is different than his father, Kim Jong-il. And Kim Il-sung, his grandfather, he, he's much more like. His grandfather, remember, came to power in North Korea through force. He is literally like a god to those people. He is, he's a deity. That's how they have brainwashed them for many generations. Wow. But he was a guy who took by force. It was, it was primarily stick, no carrot. Kim Jong-il, Kim Jong-un's father, he was carrot and stick. And there's this whole system. Yeah, he beat the people down. He tortured them. But his was manipulate the world community by threatening them. He was not as aggressive as his father. His son is much more like the grandfather. I don't think that he's somebody who just is going to get the nuclear weapon and then say, gimme, 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 you know, free stuff and aid and all this. I don't think so. I think he's the one, because he believes his own press, is one who starts threatening with them. I'm taking things, not give me because of them. Yeah, well, the problem is he doesn't have a navy. <laughs> and the problem, problem is it's the, it's the peninsula, and the only land uh, option that he has is to is to go up through China and China's not going to allow that, allow that for a moment. True, but they're, what, they're, true, they're, but, 
if they march on South Korea, that's about the only thing they could do to unify the Koreas. True. But what they do have is a massive cyber warfare network. I mean, they are one of the the biggest in, in the world at this point, especially for a country as closed off and as backwards and as powerless as they have been. I mean, they haven't been able to feed their people. But they have invested deep into cyber warfare. They would probably be one of the top five or ten in the world. Now, of course, America is probably number one. Well, let me um, let me Russia let me put you too. Mm-hmm. let me put you in a scenario. You mm-hmm. are one of the president's generals. He's sitting down, and he's sitting you down in a room, and he's saying, "Okay, what are our options? Or uh, do you know what 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 can we do here? What are you telling him?" Number one, I would say, Mr. President, North Korea is way too dangerous at this point to to deal with but mr president they're way too dangerous to not deal with and that's where you're at so we have to do something that's something and and we don't know all of our capabilities i would hope we have some sort of significant cyber warfare if we have any type of emp that could take out any of their artillery along you know the the dmz there would would be our first two options but it has to be military precision one two three four it would have to be cyber warfare and an EMP that would do as much damage to their military as possible. We would likely have some sort of special forces as well that would also help take out any of their um, nuclear capabilities and also their um, their anti-aircraft uh, missiles. Yeah. And those would likely be done with um, our stealth fighters, our and, stealth bombers, excuse me. Yeah, and if I'm in there, I'm saying, Mr. President, it is. it would be... You go big or you don't do it. Exactly. It would be catastrophic for this nation to get a nuclear weapon. The United States cannot allow uh, a web, a fully functioning weapons program to be possessed by a madman. And he is a madman because that brings a nuclear threat to this doorstep, according to the latest intelligence I've seen uh, reported out there, that almost all of the United States is in range. And if, if, if a missile can strike the United States... Uh, to a guy that's crazy uh, and doesn't care whether or not his people, you know, die in a hail of fiery atoms, that is that is unacceptable, and and, and that's that's where he is different from the former Soviet Union and the mad, the mad tactics, a mutually assured destruction tactics. I think it's, sir, we we there, there is no good option, but there is no way they can be allowed. And I think he he develops this. It it signals that that a conflict is imminent. Yeah, we we have to go big or we don't do it. There's no there's no little messing around, blowing some stuff up, bombing them. We have to. And we're talking regime change. It's not just take out all the, you know, the the uh, artillery, take out all the bomb um, um, nuclear sites, any of that stuff. It's also regime change on top of it. So then you have to say best case scenario when that happens is the the loss of life into the tens of thousands 20,000 30,000 something like this of south koreans americans possibly some japanese as well then what does regime change look like what what do we do there we going to prop up somebody else that's already in north korea one of the generals or somebody they're all bat crap crazy i, I you know what i don't know that anything remains standing in or you know again and especially if he's crazy enough to fire or light one of those off uh, then you have it, to you have to remember something about the people of north korea and if you've read any books about any of the people who've escaped from from North Korea, they they have been brainwashed to a way we can't even understand. Let me give you an example. One of the books I read about um, uh, a girl who escaped from North Korea and finally made her way to South Korea with her with her sister and mother after nine years getting stuck in China and raped and this goes on and on. 
She said after she got to South Korea and they have a reunification program where they keep you isolated for months and they start telling you the truth. You know, hey, North Korea is not the center of the universe. And they start telling you all these truths. She said it took her, you know, months and months to to realize all of the lies. And she said she hated all the lies and everything she had been through and the administrator, the um, the regimes there. And then Kim Jong Il died and she saw the news and all of a sudden she noticed she was she was crying. This is somebody she hated when she found out the truth. And she still was crying because somewhere deep inside of her at her earliest memory was a, a deity like love for Kim Jong Il and Kim Jong Un and uh, Kim Il Sung. That, that's that's what we're talking about. You would have to go through three, four generations of reality before that country would be right again. That's Stockholm Syndrome exactly. to, the, to the nth degree. Hey, Doc, appreciate it. Uh, thank you for the, uh, the analysis on this breaking news, folks. In case you're just joining us here on the Blaze Radio Network, North Korea, it is being reported, has the ability to miniaturize a nuclear weapon and place it on top of an ICBM, an intercontinental ballistic missile, and that changes this, uh, this whole scenario big time. Doc, thank you very much. Morning Blaze tomorrow. I'm sure you guys are going to be talking about it. All right, be right back, folks. It's Chris Alcedo's show here on The Blaze. Telling the truth. It's one of those jobs American liberals won't do. That's why we need the liberty-loving Latino Chris Salcedo. The Blaze Radio Network. Chris Salcedo is on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, folks, here's how the rest of the show is going to play out. Uh, we've got Congressman Michael McCall, an interview that he uh, he taped with us earlier in the day. And because of the breaking news, after that interview runs at the bottom of the hour, because there's updated information, he will join us live here on the Blaze Radio Network. We were able to get him to to bend his schedule and give us five minutes to comment only on the North Korea situation. So... Uh, that is what is in the game plan for the remainder of the program on the Chris Alcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. So you guys will hear what we talked about with the broader discussion, and then uh, we'll get specific live uh, coming up toward the end of the program. Let me do a little politicking here before we, uh, before we get hot and heavy back into foreign policy, because that is the big story of the day. But all of this does, uh, shall we say, uh, merge in part and parcel with with the politics discussion uh the republican party is not unified washington is not unified and i don't know that a nuclear threat from north korea is even enough to get some of these partisans out of their anti-trump stupor and uh, i don't even know if it's enough to get these republicans to get busy and get and get to work. The GOP had pledged to do big things, you remember, back in January. We have ambitious goals and ambitious timelines. Our goal is to get these laws done in 2017. We aspire to get most of these big things done by the August recess because that's when Congress does most of its legislating. Now, he was standing there, was the Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, with Mitch McConnell. Now, I've been a little uh, rough on Republicans 
and I've not been very specific, and that, that may be to my detriment or to your detriment. Because if I want to give credit, let's give credit where credit is due. And Fox News Channel reported on this yesterday. A top House Republican pointed out to me today, the House has passed a repeal and replace measure, a bill to rebuild the military, and an illegal immigration crackdown called Kate's Law, among others. But it's the Senate where these important measures are getting stuck. Right. So of the two big agenda items, tax reform and the repeal and replace, even if it's in name only, was done by the Republican House. The Senate did nothing, and the Senate didn't, and the House didn't do tax reform. So maybe I should refine the discussion to say that it is Senate Republicans who are incapable of governing. Uh, Charles Krauthammer giving his impression yesterday on Fox. The fact is that the Congress has been a complete bust, and that I think is a huge disappointment. Here they are, they've been saying for seven years. Give us control. Give us the signature in the White House. We will do great things. And on the great things, they did nothing. The Obamacare repeal was an epic fail. They had seven years to work it out. And for some of the senators, it was a matter of bad faith. Bad faith. That means uh, they lied. And, of course, the one who you think of most prominently is is the liar, John McCain, who uh, I think... Well, there was a promo running that Bill O'Reilly, uh, Bill O'Reilly nailed it perfectly. And I think we talked about it here on the Chris Salcedo show that uh, John McCain screwed the country just to stick it to Donald Trump. And uh, in my mind, it makes him even smaller than I've considered him before. When they had a vote to repeal, knowing that Obama wouldn't sign, they voted to repeal. When they had the same vote to repeal, knowing that uh, President Trump would sign, they voted the other way. That, I think, is going to be a big millstone around the neck of the Congress for a very long time. Or the Senate. At least the Senate. And definitely around the liars. Uh, Murkowski, McCain, Shelley Moore Capito, Rob Portman. Um, I know I'm missing somebody else. I would say Collins, but Collins has always been a leftist. She's a, she's a consistent leftist. Uh, Jason Chaffetz was talking about the Senate's failure today, too. Listen, to You this. have the debt ceiling. There's not a Republican on the planet that wants to raise the debt ceiling. And when you fail on health care and you're on vacation We're not right very now. confident in the Congress right and then, now. And you've got to pass a budget. Uh, and then you've also got to put tax this in reform. place. Oh, yeah. A little thing called tax reform. I mean, I cannot believe the United States Senate. Mitch McConnell in July went before the American people and said, there's so much on our plate. We're going to stay into August and work. Only to pull that back, too. They're supposed to be in session this sure. week, but they're not. After they fail. After they they failed. Failed. They, failure. Congress, they, your former uh, job, they look bad, particularly the Senate. Hey, I, I'm that's, getting, that's I, also, I, you to look, I didn't leave Congress because I was tired of winning. Wow. I didn't leave Congress because I was tired of winning. A lot of people are being driven from office. Those with a conscience, I guess, because they're disgusted with, you know, what, what, what is John McCain's excuse? Well, well, even though the Democrats stabbed us in the back, we got to give them the chance. They screwed it up. We got to give them a chance to fix it. (laughs) 
John McCain, uh, distinguished in uniform, a disgrace in the Senate. Let's get out to Nebraska. Hey, Rocky, thank you for waiting. Glad you made it here to the Chris Alcedo Show. Hey, Chris. How are you today? Doing well, sir. Uh, a little concerned about what's happening in North Korea. Me too, exactly. Um, I just wanted to build upon uh, what you and Doc and uh, Scott from Massachusetts were talking about. You talked about that the, uh, the missiles and the nuclear warheads are the two pieces of the puzzle that are there that uh, they're able to reach our, our, our territory and that we need to be afraid that they haven't developed the, uh, the nose cone protection for a reentry vehicle. But um, I've believed for about two decades now that the next time that nuclear warheads are going to be used in a war, that it's going to be for an EMP strike. And for an EMP strike, you explode that vehicle at the highest point. Well, or yeah, or or to where you would be able to get uh, the electromagnetic magnetic pulse would do the most damage in a significant radius. Hey, Rocky, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I'm up against the clock here. Uh, listen in, Rocky. Michael McCall is on next. We'll have him taped and then live on the Chris Salcedo Show. Be right back. The Chris Salcedo Show, part of Generation Blaze, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Salcedo Show. Saturday was a huge um, win for the United States. It was a huge win for the United Nations. It was not a good day for North Korea. And basically what you saw was all the countries come together and say, this has got to stop. This is not something that we think can be reckless and just casually dealt with. And that's what he's done. And I think they hit him and, and basically we hit him hard. It was really me saying, how many more ICBM tests do we need to have before we do something? Good. And at what point are we going to show action? And really, that goes back to what we've tried to do at the United Nations, which is stop talking about it. Mm-hmm. Let's get something done. And so last Monday, I, I basically told the Security Council, we've talked enough. It's time to get this done. That there's Ambassador Nikki Haley, U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley, and basically marking a a changing of the guard where the United States of America is once again not going to put up with tyrants and despots. Uh, Quite a change from the Obama administration, wouldn't you say? Let's talk about it with Congressman Michael McCall from the 10th District. In the great state of Texas, Congressman McCall is a chairman of the House Committee on Homeland Security. He's the author of the book, Failures of Imagination, the Deadliest Threats to Our Homeland and How to Thwart Them. Congressman, welcome back to the Salcedo Show. Hey, thanks for having me, Chris. North Korea sanctions. Uh, this, was, this was somewhat of a, I don't want to call it a coup, but a, a very a good feather in the Trump administration's cap to get a 15 to nothing vote to, imp, uh, to impose these sanctions uh, in the U.N. Security Council. Oh, it was a huge uh, deal that I don't think the uh, administration has gotten enough credit for. It was a 15 to 0 vote in the United Nations, uh, including China, uh, which, Chris, was, I think, very surprising because China uh, typically aligns itself with North Korea and Russia. Uh, you know, we just sanctioned them, the Congress, uh, both Iran, North Korea, and Russia. But they, they went with us on this one. I think they all recognize what a 
existential threat North Korea plays with respect to its new ICBM capability and, and nuclear uh, uh, devices. Yeah, and the reaction from North Korea, of course, was to uh, put out a lot of bluster out there, saying they're going to strike the right. United States uh, with uh, a thousandfold, I believe, was something close to the quote. And then China, even though they voted in the affirmative, they, you know, it's still a communist nation, and they had to send some sort of signal that they were still with the North Koreans, so they called us arrogant. Mm-hmm. How much of this, in your mm-hmm. mind, is, is posturing, and how much of it is, uh, is something we should take seriously? Well, I think uh, I think we should take North Korea's threat seriously. It can reach uh, mainland uh, United States now, and so um, uh, these these new uh, ICBM capabilities they have. Um, but I think that um, you know I think the proof can be in the pudding. This thing did pass unanimously, uh, but let's see how it's carried out. And uh, I think that's something we're going to be keeping a close eye on: is are these sanctions really going to be fully implemented? Because they're they're very um, very tough sanctions that will cost uh, the North Koreans, you know, probably about a billion dollars in exports. And um, uh, it's all their major, I think about a third of their economy that uh, would be impacted by these sanctions. And so um, I think it's in the implementation that, that that's what we're going to be watching that next. Yeah, you mentioned uh, U.S. sanctions. So let's go out of the United Nations and back to the U.S. sanctions bill you guys passed. And I, I don't I know what motivated the Democrat, your Democrat colleagues in, in their vote. But yeah. uh, I think a vast majority of Republicans uh, learned the lesson from when the George W. Bush administration had negotiated sanctions on Iran. And just as soon as they had started to bite, uh, Obama unilaterally relieved those sanctions, undermining everything that, uh, th- that the Congress had worked for. Was that the reason why you wanted to tie this president's hands? on uh, being able to unilaterally lift sanctions. And again, this, this was on Iran, North Korea, and Russia. Well, I think it's for any future administration. I think Congress asserting its Article One authority under the Constitution. We don't want to see the sanctions we passed just roll back uh, in a moment of weakness. They're put in place for a reason. That's to give us strong diplomatic leverage. Um, and the other option is military. If you, That's always the last option. But I think... Um, we don't like it when we pass these things. And then, as you mentioned, Obama just scaled back not only Iran, but scaled back North Korea's sanctions, which then led to their the current state that we're in right now, which is, is quite a predicament if you look at it. There's no easy way out of this thing, but we got to put all the pressure we can uh, to get them to the point. And I think China voting yes on this is very significant because they have the most leverage uh, over North Korea. Yeah, I get the sense that not even Russia or China want the crazy fat kid to get functional nukes. I just, that's just that's just my impression. Uh, Congressman Michael McCall is my yeah he is my guest right now, folks. Tenth District in the great state of Texas, the chairman of the House uh, Committee on Homeland Security. Uh, let's switch back here to uh, uh, domestic politics and this crackdown by the by the Trump administration on sanctuary cities. The vast majority of the country saying Hallelujah! Finally, somebody is enforcing law. After eight years of an administration that didn't care for enforcing these laws, Chicago and other left-wing cities right here in our state, as a matter of fact, pushing back, saying that they shouldn't be made to follow federal immigration law. What do you say to them, Congressman? Well, I was a federal prosecutor, and anytime we had a ICE detainer on somebody, we expected the state and locals to comply with that ICE detainer and, and detain that person till the federal, till ICE could pick them up. And all we're saying, and we passed the sanctuary 
city's bill in the House. Uh, we'll see what happens in the Senate. But um, all we're really saying is, you know, if you comply with federal law enforcement and federal law, uh, then you, you can qualify for grants. If you don't comply with federal law enforcement and, and um, you know, federal law, then you're not qualified for federal grants. I think it's a pretty simple, basic premise. And this is a very dangerous community that's out there. We've seen this MS-13 gangs. You know, we just had a recent arrest in Houston of an MS-13 guy uh, that was posed a, a real serious danger to the community. And these are the people that we need to detain, comply with federal law enforcement, and get off the streets and, and get them out of this country. Yeah, and you've got Sally Hernandez down in Travis County, who is uh, who is oh, who in the state. Of, I, I, every single time I say her name to a Republican, you see, folks, the collective eye roll happens because this woman is letting out uh, illegal alien felons to plague American citizens, and that's that's a bad deal. By the way, you have a border bill uh, that is, now. It, it, when is that going to get uh, voted upon, or has it already been voted upon? No, I introduced it right before the August recess, and Chairman. Uh, the judiciary, Bob Goodlatte, also introduced his um, interior enforcement. We had a great op-ed in foxnews.com. I'd encourage everybody to read it, uh, talking about these two bills. Um, my bill deals with the border itself, and in, in the bill we authorize the border wall. Uh, we authorize $15 billion to uh, build uh, tactical infrastructure, technology, um, fencing, air assets, uh, and wall, and also uh, secure ports of entry. We put more boots on the ground by adding 5,000 Border Patrol agents and 5,000 CBP officers. We also uh, deploy the National Guard and reimburse. This is important for the state of Texas because we have uh, spent so much money in the state uh, on this issue when it's really a federal issue. And so my bill would authorize um, monies for reimbursement to, to states like Texas that have called out for the National Guard to help uh, secure the border. Uh, and two more points, it targets visa overstays. Mm-hmm. Uh, the majority of illegals in the country came in legally. They just overstayed their uh, visa. That's about 50%. And then finally, we support local law enforcement and the uh, sheriffs on the border through a grant program. Well, uh, that that uh, is a, a bill that uh, will, will probably get through the House. But mm-hmm. let me ask you, because a lot of folks I talk to behind the scenes are expressing some frustration with the the Senate's inability to govern um, because they a lot of these bills that pass out of the House that they get they get defeated in the Senate. Are, are you frustrated with with uh, the slow pace here of, of accomplishments, Congressman? Absolutely. I mean, I'm you know, back home uh, on the Harris County side of my district and um, people are really um they said look we gave you the keys to the car and um you haven't done anything with it and so as you know we passed out of the house we did our job we passed the american health care act we repealed and replaced obamacare and then we saw the fiasco in the senate when john mccain brought the whole thing down and um very very frustrating uh, because we know we have a little window of opportunity to get this done to get our agenda done and that first piece got shot down the last week we were up there. I couldn't be more frustrated than anyone else. Yeah. And I hope uh, we can revisit that, put it back on the floor, uh, on be... the Senate floor and pass it. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, a lot of the Senate uh, uh, Republicans are signaling that they want to move on from health care, which would be a disaster. Congressman Michael McCall, everybody, 10th District here in the great state of Texas. Always appreciate the conversation, sir, on the Chris Salcedo Show.
No, thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. That's how it went earlier today on uh, an earlier version of the Chris Alcedo Show. We'll get Michael McCall live to react to the breaking news. Miniaturized nuclear capability for the North Koreans. It's a game changer. We'll talk to him live coming up next on the Chris Alcedo Show here on The Blaze. It's not just a show. It's a movement. Join the swarm. Twitter hashtag Salcedo Swarm. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Show on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, folks, we're waiting to make a connection with Congressman Michael McCall, chairman of the Homeland Security Committee. Uh, in the meantime, there's some sad breaking news I wanted to pass on to you. For those of you who know the name Glenn Campbell, uh, Rhinestone Cowboy, Gentle on My Mind, uh, those types of songs, uh, country music artist and star uh, has passed away. I believe he was diagnosed with. Alzheimer's and went on tour and played as as long as he possibly could. Uh, Glenn Campbell died uh, today at 81 years of age. Guys, do we have uh, the congressman yet? Okay, just wanted to make sure. Uh, I I got a yes in my I got a yes in my uh, ear. Didn't know if that oh, oh it's Parkinson's, not Alzheimer's. Okay, all right. Anyway, that's uh, that's what uh, Glenn Campbell was afflicted with. So uh, he has passed away, age of 81, a very sad day. He, uh, for those of you who don't know his music, it's, it's classical stuff. Um, Southern Nights, another good tune from, from Glenn Campbell. Rhinestone Cowboy, I believe, too, was, was his. Uh, telephone number is uh, 888-900-3393. Uh, the breaking news that we're going to be spe- speaking with Michael McCall, if time permits, about is the revelation that was released in the pages of the New York Times. Or the Washington Post. It was the Washington Post today that uh, the regime in North Korea has successfully tested a miniaturized nuclear device. And why is this important? It's important because you can fit on the tip of an ICBM, an intercontinental ballistic missile, uh, miniaturized nuclear weaponry. Basically, this, if true, would catapult North Korea dangerously close to being a full-fledged nuclear power. And that would spell disaster for we here in the United States as this rogue regime has pledged to light up one of our cities with a nuclear weapon. And that is uh, wholly unacceptable. The president of the United States speaking on this earlier upon hearing the news. North Korea best not make any more threats to the United States. They will be met with fire and fury like the world has never seen. He has been very threatening uh, beyond a normal statement. And as I said, they will be met with fire, fury, and frankly, power, the likes of which this world has never seen before. And the ramifications of that, ladies and gentlemen, and all the chess pieces that are on the board right now are problematic for everyone who's involved. 15 countries that just passed sanctions on North Korea, the principal other nuclear powers in the, around the globe, uh, the Russians, 
we here in the United States and the Chinese and those with the most influence and the ability to do harm North Korea. That's us and China. And if a nuclear war does break out, I shouldn't say nuclear war. If a war does break out, because I, I don't know that Kim Jong-un would lead with a nuclear, a nuclear weapon. But if war does break out, uh, it will, it will be catastrophic on the Korean peninsula, both, both North and South. And it will also be catastrophic for China as the wave of humanity that will stream over their border will be very crippling to the Chinese economy. Uh, guys, how much time do we have left before we have to, uh, to scoot for the day? All right, we got about a minute left, so hopefully we'll hear from... Uh, if we get Michael McCall on, we'll only be able to get him on for a few seconds to at least give a statement. If not, then we'll uh, we'll try to hook up with him at, at another time. Uh, this this is going to be, ladies and gentlemen, a uh, a very testy couple of days to where we see this all shake out. The best case scenario is a universal condemnation that if if China decides to take the lead and decides to to rain in North Korea, then we may have a shot at getting out of this without having to fire any shots. But absent that strong and definitive statement and action by the People's Republic of China, the United States will be forced. We'll have no other choice because we now have a responsible administration in place. We'll have no other choice. There is no way that an American administration can allow North Korea to become a nuclear power. It is, it is catastrophic if that were to happen. And it cannot, and I believe it will not, with the current leadership we have in place, will not be allowed. And if North Korea forces our hand, and I think the Chinese know this, if the North Koreans force our hand, we will act. And you know what? North Korea is going to lose. South Korea is going to lose. Possibly Japan. And so will China. Remember, everybody, society's worth isn't measured by how much power is seized by government, but rather how much power is reserved for we the people. See you guys tomorrow. The Chris Salcedo Show, part of Generation Blaze, only on the Blaze Radio Network.